Hey, good morning, West Bulls. Thank you for tuning in again as we are in the final week of going through the book of Jonah. Now, if you're anything like me, lately has just thrown every idea you've had up in the air of what you thought your plans were going to be. I mean, earlier this week, I was thinking about it. I got up. I was going to try to exercise. I was going to try. I was going to read for a little bit. We were going to have a virtual staff meeting. And so all that stuff happened. But I found myself by the middle of the afternoon doing something I had not planned on doing at all. After I had gone through the to-do list, after I tried to come up with things to do, do you know what we ended up doing as a family? Sorting Legos. Every single Lego in our house has now been sorted by color. We have four bags for the different shades of blue that we have. There's magenta, there's purple, there's light pink, there are a couple shades of green, there's one for all the wheels and tires, there are those for the windows, for the doors, you name it. And in the middle of it, I stopped and I went, what, am, what are we doing? I and mean, what has life become that this is our big project for the day? Now, don't get me wrong, I appreciated the family time, but I have to be honest, there was a sense in me that just went, I, I don't like the situation in front of us. And that's not just true externally. As I've thought about me and as I've listened to people recently, that's going on internally in many of us because it's true. It's true that many of us are dealing with anxiety right now. There are many of us that are dealing with anger. There are many of us that are dealing with uncertainty. There are many of us that are dealing with sadness. And, and you've, we've probably covered all of those emotions, maybe all in a day. And you look at all of that, and when you get into those situations, the very tempting thing to do is to run. And it's to run and run. And, and so I, as I thought about that, I thought maybe Jonah was the perfect passage at the perfect time for the situation in front of us. Because there's a sense of wanting to run and do something about it inside all of us. Way back at the beginning of Jonah, when the word of the Lord came to Jonah, you know what he did? Remember, he ran. He ran great distances, and God, God sent a great storm, and then God provided a great fish, and then eventually God brought Jonah through the great city that he wanted to run away from in the first place. But now in Jonah 4, we're going to sit down, and it's not any more of these big, great, maybe catastrophic-sounding events anymore. Now Jonah and God are going to have a heart-to-heart and God is going to ask Jonah three great questions. And there are three great questions that surfaced in Jonah, something that is also, also being surfaced in us as we walk through all of this, is, is there's everything in us wants to run. And so at the beginning of Jonah, as we covered last week, Jonah has been watching as he delivered God's word to the Ninevites. And God Seeing that they relented from their ways, he decided to relent from his way. He was going to destroy them. And as Jonah saw this, he, he just thought, it just seems so wrong. Jo Jonah was intent on them being destroyed. And yet, as he looked at God's patience and his mercy and his compassion, he went, it seems so wrong. And God asks him the first of these great questions. And it's a question we ought to consider as well. Here's what God says. Verse 4 says, But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah, is anger the right approach right now? I mean, is it the actual correct response? I mean, sure, there are moments we all love to point at. 
to justify our anger. You know, Jesus got angry for different reasons. But God right now to Jonah says, is anger the right response right now, Jonah? And what God is getting at is that Jonah has missed something. First, Jonah has missed God's heart for him. I mean, when you think about all that Jonah has been delivered through, he's clearly missed that God is for him. In order for him to be mad at somebody else, that God would want to rescue somebody else, is to completely overlook what God had brought him through. First, there was the great storm that God had brought Jonah through. And, and we all know the great storms of life. Those are those moments that, that completely disorient us. And they throw us off kilter and they, they move us out of our comfort zone and we just don't even know what to do with them. I'm, I'm reminded of, in my own life, one of the first great storms I ever came across. I was in fourth grade. My dad showed up to the elementary school with tears in his eyes. My mom had had a brain aneurysm that had ruptured. And I remember thinking, I may never see my mom again. And it was the first time that I actually cried out to God and said, if you're there, do something. And I look back and all these years later, I have the blessing of her still being here, but whether she's still here or not, I look around and I go, wow, God brought me through that great storm. And then there was the great fish that God had delivered Jonah out of. And many of us can relate to those great fish moments. Those great fish moments are those moments where you're completely isolated. It's you and God. And all you can do is cry out into the darkness and you pray that he hears you. And as I think back on those moments, one of the ones that comes up for me is really the entire decade of my 20s, where I didn't know what I was doing with my life, where my life was going. There was a sense of purpose and unmet potential, and I just didn't know what it was gonna look like or what the plan was. And I was looking around going, God, what, what am I doing with my life? And all these years I look back and I realize I'm still here. He delivered me through that. And then there are those great city moments. Those moments of life that just feel so much bigger than us. As if we have no control in the midst of them whatsoever. It would be like Jonah had to have felt walking through the great city. People glaring at him and staring at him and his perception of just how brutal these people were. And as I think back, I can think of those moments in my life. Literally, years ago, we took the youth group here from Littleton, Colorado. So picture teenagers from Littleton, Colorado, going to Chicago, which sounds fine on the surface, but in my ignorance, I booked a hotel in Southside, Chicago. Now, if you know the area of Chicago, you, you understand the issue here. Teenagers from Littleton in Southside Chicago, it just doesn't quite fit in our brains. And I look back and I go, wow, we maybe shouldn't have made it out of there, but we met some incredible people there. It was an incredible time. And God delivered us through. And I think, wow, we're still here. A great storm, a great fish, a great city. And God delivered Jonah through all of it. But Jonah missed it. He missed God's heart for him. He also missed God's heart with him. The thing that Jonah may have missed all the way through is this, this phrase that we see throughout the book of Jonah. 
God provided. He sent a great storm, he provided a great fish, and he gave Jonah protection through the great city. See, when you know that his heart is with you, you can walk through those great storm, great fish, great city moments of life. And because he missed God's heart for him and God's heart with him, well, Jonah missed God's message to him, first and foremost. See, whenever God brings his word to us, it is always intertwined with something else, God's heart. Centuries after this, Jesus said that it's out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. And we often, we think of ourselves when we hear that. But perhaps Jesus was also referring to God. That when God brings his word, it is always intertwined and interwoven with God's heart. And so this first question should bring up a question for us. Am I missing God's heart? Am I overlooking something here? Because Anytime we separate the heart of God from the word of God, we miss the message of God. Try this. Let me, let me try a few phrases that you know well. And um, just think through if you were to hear these without any heart behind them. You ready? I love you. It just doesn't grab you, does it? Or, or who would want to be proposed to like this? Will you marry me? Nobody would want to be proposed to like that. Or, or this one that we hear every single week, how are you? And people say, I'm fine. Of course you don't believe that. Or, or there's just, in our excitement, nobody says, I'm so excited, like that. But that's what Jonah had done. He had delivered the word of God without the heart of God. And so the fact that it worked was completely God's credit, and not at all Jonah's credit. Well, all this brings up a second question, but to get to the second question, God had to allow for a little situation to come up. Take a look at verse 5. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. Now, I'm, I'm going to pause here because I think we could all probably understand what was starting to happen inside Jonah in this moment. For him, it was a plant and a worm showed up. Now, hypothetical situation, let's just say that you're really into like lush, thick, green grass. And you happen to live in Littleton, Colorado. You would know that one of the enemies of lush, thick, green grass, again, this is a hypothetical situation. I don't know anybody like this, but bunnies. If a bunny shows up in lush, thick, green grass, do you know what they're doing? They are destroying that lawn. And, and just hypothetically, I would think the amount of wrath and rage inside of you would just skyrocket. It just hypothetically throwing this out there. Anyhow, this continues. Here's what it did for Jonah. Verse 8, when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind. 
and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. And here comes God's second question in verse 9. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? See, truth be told, Jonah was fired up inside before the sun ever came up, wasn't he? I mean, for Jonah, it's, it's just after dawn, and it's about maybe 6 a.m., and the air may be cool outside, but Jonah is fired up inside. And isn't that how it happens with us as well? There are just some things in life that can really get us fired up. And most of those things, if I'm just being honest and as I'm thinking about my own life, most of those things are things, they're people, they're circumstances that affect what? Our shade. Our comfort. I mean, Jonah had already been sitting in shade. God provided a plant to give him even more shade. And now... He's mad. And God says, is it right? Is it right for you to be mad over your comfort, Jonah? And that's how it goes for us. For many of us, it's one face. It's one area. It's one decision. It's one set of circumstances that can get us mad. It can get us anxious. It can get us worried. It can get us fearful. And we can just start running inside. And it produces a fire hotter than the natural heat that life just produces, just walking through it. And that's the beauty of God's word. As you walk through scripture, God is constantly bringing his people through situations that already have their own heat. And he says, you can be okay inside. You don't have to get so hot inside. And so the question that it brings up is not only am I missing God's heart with the first question, But number two has to do with our own hearts. Am I guarding my own heart? Isn't it true there are some attachments we can get overjoyed about, like Jonah with the plant and the shade? See, any time, any time something external begins to affect what's internal, when the outside affects the inside, something's gotten in. And we begin living by sight instead of by faith. I was reminded years ago on a youth trip, we had just left Las Vegas, we were going to California, we had had lunch, I was satisfied, I was content, we got back on the bus, and I remember my friend, I was sitting right in front of him, and my friend began kneeing the back of my seat, and I asked him to stop, and uh, of course, that kept him going, and he continued to knee my seat until finally, the temperature was rising, and I decided, There's only one way to teach them, and we got into a wrestling match. Now, would have been okay in any other setting, but we were heading into Death Valley at that point. And if you've ever been to Death Valley, you know there's there's, uh, about a football field's length from the highway. There's a giant thermometer there. And I remember he and I had been going at it and going at it, and we were just fired up. And I looked at the temperature, and it was 103 degrees. Really, probably a cool day. For the residents of Death Valley. And I look back and I just think, life is already hot enough. Do we need to get even more fired up inside? And now God is going to ask an equally great third question of Jonah. Verse 10 says this, But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow, 
It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And now the question, and should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who do not know their right hand from their left, and also many animals? It's as if God is saying, Jonah, you love the plant for what the plant could do for you, but I love these people because of what I've done for them. See, Jonah, they don't know. Look at his question again. They, they don't know their right hand from their left. Jonah, they don't know that something has gotten into their lives. It came in quietly. It snuck in invisibly. They couldn't plan for it, and now it's wreaking havoc in their lives. It's that thing we all know called sin. In the same way it showed up in the lives of the Ninevites and in the life of Jonah, it shows up in your life and in my life. And God doesn't look at anybody and say, how could you not know? Come to think of it, it's kind of like a worm, Jonah. You didn't hear it as it began to gnaw on the plant. And I don't know if worms chew with their mouths open and how loud it is, but Jonah, you were asleep. And you didn't know that this thing that was absolutely devastating for the life of the plant had gotten in. And I don't expect you to know. I don't hold that against you. I don't hold that against the Ninevites. I don't hold it against the plant. Nobody knows what they don't know. And so, can you see them that way, Jonah? The third question this should bring up is not just, am I missing God's heart? It's not just, am I guarding my own heart? It's, am I caring for people's hearts? See, we miss this anytime we expect people to know God's ways if they've never known God's heart. We do this all the time. We assume people know. I flash back to the end of the fantasy football season this last year. I had three guys who put up huge points for me all year long, so much so that I had a 10-game winning streak coming into the championship game. And as I look back at what happened on, on that weekend of the championship weekend where first place was on the line, it, I'm still bitter because it'd be easy to look back and think that these three guys, pro football players, woke up and they just knew that Nathan Harrison was playing for first place. And they knew how much it meant to Nathan. And they all decided together, we're going to have our worst games of the season. And Nathan is going to lose. Stupid Mike Evans. I'm still mad about that receiver. No, of course they didn't do that. But this is how we treat people. We assume that they had the most malicious, most evil of motives. And God says, no, they didn't even know. They don't know what they don't know. And this is why he can have compassion on them. As I step back and I look about everything, or I look around at everything going on right now, isn't it hard enough? I mean, isn't there just a natural heat to life right now without us getting more fired up? Of course. And it's either going to make us full of contempt for other people or, as God is asking of Jonah, maybe there's another option. Maybe we can begin to cultivate compassion. And maybe we can begin to understand that that loss 
of that normal that we all loved so much that is gone, that that is a fraction of God's love for the people around us. He understands. They don't know. You know who else doesn't know everything? Children. Children don't know everything. I mean, I don't know any parent who expects a child to, to operate, to live, to decide as though they have a fully developed adult brain. You see, a parent knows, a loving parent knows that they don't know. They're learning. And so they just, they love them through it. And so God, understanding, as he looked at us, understanding that we don't fully know him and his ways, he looked at us and he said, well, a price has to be paid because something got in, something that affected them. And he looks at his children, his creation, at you and I, and he says they're, they're about to choose something that, that is so harmful for them. And so a penalty has to be paid. And so God said, I'll pay that price. And he sent his son. He sent his son to bear God's contempt for our sin and for all the ways we've fallen short. He sent Jesus. And Jesus bore God's contempt on his shoulders so that he could bring God's compassion to us. See, God doesn't sit back and watch the city. He doesn't watch the Ninevites. He doesn't watch you and I the way Jonah did. Jonah sat back and watched for what would happen to them. God sits back and he looks at you and me and he says, I want to see what happens in them. And then when that work is done, I want to send them to go bring that message to everybody else, to carry my word intertwined with my heart. And so as Jonah is left with a question to end this book, so are we. And the question is a simple one. Will you, will you bury your contempt for them in order to carry God's compassion to them? And as the book ends, there's no answer from Jonah. We don't get one, which means the burden of an answer falls to you and I. It's a question worth considering. Will we bury our contempt in order to carry God's compassion? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a God, that as you looked upon us, you didn't expect us to know what we just didn't realize, that we've all let something into our lives that is so much more destructive than we could ever imagine. And so you look upon us with eyes of mercy. And you, you invite us to now look at others with those same eyes. And so as we navigate a new normal, as we've been discussing, Heavenly Father, give us hearts of mercy and compassion that don't have to run from you. We can rest in you. We ask for your guidance, for your wisdom, your heart, for ourselves, for one another, and for other people as we navigate the days ahead. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. West Bulls, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week.